You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. I know that you guys are probably used to me telling a bunch of ridiculous jokes before um, I say anything serious, and um, tonight is no different, okay? <laughs> Ashley, would you mind coming up here? <laughs> yeah, come on up, babe. Am I sitting or am I standing? So I've compiled some Christian pickup lines that I'm going to use on my wife. I mean, I won her heart a long time ago, but this is just the continue of the pursuit. Um, Hey, girl. (laughs) Now I know why Solomon had 700 wives, because he never found you. Hey, girl. I can't perform miracles, but I have enough bread and fish for two tonight. Hey, girl. Is your name Faith? Because you're the substance of things I've hoped for. Hey, girl. Is this, is this the transfiguration because you're glowing? Hey, girl. I speak five languages. All five love languages. All right, all right. I know. good. So I had this, this sheet, and it's actually titled Christian Pickup Lines, and it was sitting next to me, and I was working like in a coffee shop, and um, just working away on my, my, my laptop, and I, I started to feel like this you know, young woman who was sitting close by, like looking, and I kind of do one of these, and she's, she's discerned that I have a sheet that says Christian Pickup Lines. <laughs> But then she sees I have a wedding ring. <laughs> and I just, I just slowly reached over with my wedding ring hand and like turned it over. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> and it was very, very funny for me to watch the confusion and alarm on her face. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so... Before last Sunday, it was, I, I drove to Oklahoma City for a, a, short, a shortened weekend conference and then drove back Sunday morning to make it here for church because Peter Lewis is preaching. It was so awesome to have him here the last two weeks, right? Isn't Peter Lewis such a treasure? He spoke on forgiveness and then he spoke on viewing people through the eyes of the Spirit and it was just so good. Um, so I recommend... Uh, listening to that on the podcast. But anyway, I drove to Oklahoma City because I was invited to prophesy uh, from stage at a conference of about 1,500 conservative evangelicals, mostly pastors and staff. 
And um, my job was to get accurate words of knowledge for healing and then oversee the healing of people. <laughs> Uh, because these pastors and, and church members, and I mean, it's, it's everything from, um, you know, just normal, like, church folk all the way up to, but it's mostly staff and pastors. So they want to see demonstrations of the Spirit's power and learn how to implement and bring that kind of demonstration into their own churches. And it was a huge conference, 1,500 Southern conservative evangelicals who, yeah, you can clap. So a lot of them, probably in the last few years, they would tell this themselves, identified theologically as cessationists, or, or in other words, they didn't believe that the Holy Spirit still healed, or the prophecy was the same today as it was in biblical times. Um, but a lot of them were either cessationists or just silent and didn't know how to implement it. They knew the Holy Spirit could still do that stuff today, but they'd only seen it done wrong or um, in ways that just make messes. And so they're so hungry. Um, and we saw some real accurate words of knowledge. We saw some healings and we saw uh, demonic manifestations uh, and freedom. People, um, not, just, not just a little bit of weeping or, or, or shouting, but literally falling to the ground under the power of the Holy Spirit because there's a confrontation of darkness and light going on in their inner world and demons being peeled off of their existence. And it was in front of so many people, which is great. Not, yes, you can clap. It's not, a, it's not that we're, we're trying to be demonstrative. It's that, um, I mean, there's a verse in, in 1 Corinthians 14 where it says, you may all prophesy one by one, that all may hear and all may be edified. And this is the same kind of thing. We would give a, a prophetic word and then ask, is that right? Because we wanted everyone to see, to have moments where they can like latch their faith in the prophetic for, for decades and, and take it back to their church. And so it was really powerful. And one of my favorite part um, is that it was a road trip because I love gas station snacks. I don't care how old you are, buying snacks for a road trip should always look like a nine-year-old, unsupervised, was given $100. <laughs> and that was me. I mean, I covered the food groups. There was beef jerky. There, <laughs> there was sweet tarts for the fruit group. There was <laughs> Cajun nuts for a grain. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> I feel a little parched. Um, tonight, so excuse me if I drink a whole bunch of water. Um, so at Upper Room, one of our core tenets, our vision, is to minister to the heart of God through worship and prayer. And as we've done that throughout the years, we've started to notice things that, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a loose pattern or procedure for uh, corporately engaging with the Lord and experiencing his presence. And it you know, over the years, it's been developed by, by Michael Miller. He's boiled it down to a pretty cool ac acronym called FUEL, F-U-E-L. So few, uh, the F stands for faith. And so when we begin to sing together, the Lord begins to author faith in our heart around something regarding his nature or even just our life with him. Um, and when we all start to sing it together, we come into the U, into a place of unity, and really great things happen when the bride is unified, right? 
that they may be one as Father, as you and I are one. It's, it's, it's a glorious place where a more full manifestation of the body of Christ is when we are in unity and when we're singing praises to God in a place of unity, what it begins to do is it releases encounter. It could be individual encounter. You know how the Holy Spirit is so cool. He can show up and be doing things individually with everybody, making you feel like you're the most important person in the room while at the same time doing something corporately, like a wave just washes over. It's just amazing. Um, And so he's releasing these encounters and what that does is it brings liberty or freedom. Um, Because when you encounter God, like you can't help but get it more free. Like he's just so good. You You just ran into the most accepting, humble, gracious person in the universe with whatever mess that's going on and he doesn't judge you and you're like, why did I have all that mess? Did I have that? Do I even have a mess anymore? I don't know if I have a mess anymore. I feel free. Like that's, that's an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then we just circle back around, back to, you know, what is the Lord authoring faith in? Now we go back to singing something new, joining in that place of unity, getting another encounter, bringing more liberty. And it's just this amazing, it's just, it's almost uh, like a loose held together protocol. It's still very organic. It's still very intimate. Um, While also we're just taking notice that this seems to happen like this over and over and over. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me? Can I get an amen? I wanted to keep on talking about worship tonight and probably next week too um, because I have a lot to say on worship. This is Psalm 66. Shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name and make his praise glorious. Make his praise glorious. It's not just that he is glorious and awesome. He's literally inviting us into a... It's okay for you to make praise glorious. You can... Steward it, work on it, get good at your craft, shout, you know, work on your singing voice, you know, like you can make his praise glorious, test it out. I mean, a lot of us are used to raising our hands in worship, but did you know that you can also wiggle your fingers? (laughs) And he loves it. He created your perfect, cute little body and he just loves the stuffing out of it. And you can raise your hand and, you know what, I, I'm, I've never tried, you know, this move. <laughs> and there's reason why. <laughs> but like, you can literally like tiptoe or, or dive into the deep end of using your body to worship God. Guys, we are not Gnostics. Do you know what Gnosticism is? It's a, it's a belief that there's a complete disconnect between what is uh, physical and spiritual. And we are not Gnostics because we know we eat the body and the blood, right? And it has spiritual power. We put anointing oil on heads and it has spiritual power. We raise hand, holy men everywhere, lift up hands, and it changes the atmosphere. We engage our voice and we release thanksgiving. We choose to do it and it shifts the atmosphere. It shifts the foundations of Jericho. So when we choose to do something physically, it releases power spiritually. So... 
Next time you raise your hands, try wiggling your fingers. Or it might have felt so good to raise your hands the first time, you just do it over and over like me on the front row. You guys ever seen me worship? <laughs> it's okay. Like, just get free. This is a place where you can really, really worship God. Um, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to keep on reading Psalm 66. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. I love that. You know, all of our faith really rests on his nature, but he's so good that he allows us to praise him for his deeds. It's like Psalm 103. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And so we're blessing his name. We're blessing something about his nature. But then it goes straight into, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed? Who redeemed you from destruction? And it, and it, goes, it goes from saying, I'm going to bless your holy name. I'm going to bless you because your nature is amazing. But wow, the things you've done for me. I praise you for your wonderful deeds. It's okay to praise him for what he's done. I know you guys know that, but it's important to say it. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Worship tonight was awesome. We have people on stage who have worked on their craft for thousands of hours. Thousands. Um, and they had... They were given a gift, they were given a desire, they were given a passion, but they worked on it. And, so, and we had so many of the, um, so much of the, the, the sound spectrum covered. Uh, you know, we had the bass, we had the drums, we had electric guitar. There was a really good guitar solo tonight, Todd. Uh, <clears throat> we had singers, we had, we had Tyler with his masculine voice, we had his wife, Bethany, with her, with her feminine voice, and, and we had, it was just beautiful how it all just, you know, came together. We had uh, Allie on the keys and Aaron on the drums holding down the beat. It's just, it's just amazing. Um, but have you ever imagined or wondered what it was like to worship God? Like in the first century church, Jesus has ascended, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has come, and your life is in danger for just believing what you believe certainly singing what you believe or gathering with other people who believe what you believe. Do you imagine what worship must have been in moments like that? It's a handful of people in a small room. Maybe they have a candle or something and, and, and maybe one person remembers a, a psalm of David and, and just sings, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Because somehow they tapped into Matt Redmond. And... <laughs> And their little group just echoes back, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And, they, and, and maybe they, they, they go back and forth. and It's, it's called lining. And that's what, what they would do throughout the ages, not just in the first century church, but a, a leader would sing a line and the congregation would echo it back or re, repeat it back and so on. And, um, and I'm sure it was just so beautiful even if people were off-key, 
even if people couldn't sing but only groan because of whatever had happened in their life. Like, I'm sure it was so beautiful. It was a beautiful incense to the Lord. Or when uh, America was, was first settled, have you guys ever wondered what worship would have been like? When, you know, in the, in the mid-1600s, they've just started settling, you know, the East Coast. And we, uh, America, we didn't have our sound. Obviously, we didn't exist yet. And we didn't have our own sound. What happened is there are about five countries predominantly that came over on ships. It was uh, Spain and England. I wrote this down. Uh, France, Holland, and Sweden. And they, you know, came as settlers to settle this new land. And so they brought their cultures and their customs. But what they didn't bring is musical instruments because cargo space was so precious. So there were very, very, very few musical instruments. And so in the mid-1600s, when the, the Puritans and the pilgrims would get together and worship I mean, imagine, it's, it's 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. It's 1655, and you hear the one trumpet in town sound off a blast calling you to come and worship. And people get together in a, in a shell of a building that they recently built with their own hands, and, and, and it's a long, long, long service that's broken up by deacons and elders occasionally standing up and singing. And what they would do uh, to bring people to gather the pitch is they would clang on a metal candle holder, bing, 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 me, 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 and people, that would be the pitch. And the quality of your, the, the quality of your worship totally depended on whether that deacon could carry a tune in a bucket or not. I wish I just said something more powerful. <laughs> He's coming! <laughs> Guys, they only knew eight melodies. This is legit historical fact. They had eight melodies that they would kind of pin on whatever spontaneous song they would create or, or hymn, or not hymn, they would literally just sing through psalms. And even crazier, um, they didn't believe that you should write the song before coming to church because then it wouldn't be the spontaneous unction of the Holy Spirit and that God wouldn't be pleased with that. It would be man-made worship. And so, I mean, the deacons standing up there... <laughs> He's got to come up spontaneously with a melody, uh, and, and, and then the church sings it back to him. Imagine, like, going through the 119th Psalm like that. You know that one? It's the really long one. <laughs> You're like, when are we going to eat turkey and cornbread? Um, And the room is full of people with different accents and pronunciations. And many times it was probably just a really loud noise that couldn't really be discerned. That was our beginning. That's how our, our nation started worshiping. 
I love history. I'm, I'm, just gonna, I'm just painting a short picture of where we've come from, and then we're going to go somewhere else. The New Englanders, New Englanders were dead set against music being a means of pleasure. So there were no plays. There was no dancing. Uh, instruments, to many, many people, instruments were considered to be of the devil. And, so, and they actually found reasons to justify this belief in the Bible. And I'm, they're taking scriptures out of context or extending verses beyond you know, what their interpretation should be. Like Amos 5.23, it says, I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. <laughs> this, is, this is heavy for me because I play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 5:19, you know, it says, "Make melody in your heart to God." And so they say, "Well, it's only in your heart." And so they're taking things beyond. Anyway, in most gatherings, uh, women weren't allowed to sing. Native Americans weren't allowed to sing. Um, and it would be a long, long time before instruments would be welcomed back in the church. And that's where we came from. I'm talking hundreds of years where um, our spirits, our, our souls weren't allowed to be awakened, weren't allowed to experience like that, that touch point of music and worship. If you fast forward to the 1960s and 70s with the Jesus People Movement, can I get an amen, Truman and Jane? <laughs> <laughs> You fast forward to the 1960s and 70s, you got the Jesus People Movement and, um, and really the founding of a church called the Vineyard, the Vineyard Movement out of California, which was birthed by a hippie who got radically saved by the Jesus People Movement. And um, it's because of the Vineyard Movement that there was a re, there was a welcoming of current sound I'm talking rock and roll and writing styles. It was welcome back in the church, but they were labeled by everyone around them as like crazy or heretics or, you know, anywhere from like they're foolish all the way to, you know, heretics is what they were labeled because they wanted to have music that engaged the soul. Um, I think that actually it, since, since the 70s and 80s when, when worship music has become so um, beautiful, it's quite possible that we've gotten so immersed in great musical expression that it's become a difficulty for believers to worship without wonderful sounds. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, like, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Like, when, when, when like, the music becomes a crutch and you can't worship God without it, it's time to go before the Lord and get, get honest with him. Let him recalibrate um, our hearts. Um, so what did, what did biblical worship really look like? I call these prescriptions for praise. I didn't create a, like a, a slide for this, but here are some biblical prescriptions for praise. Thanksgiving. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Joyful song. Sing a joyful song to God. Shout with a joyful shout. Uh, spiritual songs. Dancing. Come on. 
<laughs> shouting, lifting up your hands, clapping. Psalm 47 like, says, everybody clap now. It's awesome. Uh, bowing, getting on your knees, even lying flat on your face, standing in awe, you know, just overcome in awe. Trembling often happened uh, with worship. Um, and I, I, I need to say something as gently as possible. These psalms do not say, shout to the Lord, all you outgoing type A people. <laughs> they don't. They just say, shout to all of Israel, lift up your voices in a joyful manner to the Lord right now. They, they don't say clap everybody who's had enough caffeine. It just, it's just a prescription for praise. This is how God loves to be worshiped. You know, none of, these, none of these Psalms of David say, all right, when the worship band is really in the groove and you're feeling it, go ahead and lift up a shout. Is it okay that I'm saying this stuff? I think it would be completely baffling to ancient Israelites and American settlers if they heard some of our modern opinions on worship. Like, I just wasn't that into worship today. They'd be like, describe every, like, just describe everything you just said to me again. Like, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> it started with the word I, <laughs> which isn't part of worship. <laughs> it is. Yep. Anyway. But, um, <clears throat> or, you know, I, I just, I didn't feel like raising my hands. Um, oh, how about this one? I've heard this. I just wouldn't be being honest to my own heart if I sang those words. They would be complete. They wouldn't have any idea what you're talking about or what you had gotten into. Like, you, you didn't feel it would be honest with your own hearts to tell God that he's good. But, like, he, he is good. How can we expect peace to transcend our understanding if our worship doesn't transcend our feeling? How can we expect peace to transcend our understanding if our worship doesn't transcend our feelings? Some of David's and other psalmists' corporate worship songs actually call for lamenting and wailing. Could you imagine if I came in here and said, all right, guys, it is time to weep, lament, and wail. Begin wailing. <laughs> like, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> And like, here comes the part where Israel, Israel knew this. They, they'd be waiting. They'd be, here comes the part where we all bow in reverence. And the whole, the whole congregation, you know, probably thousands, maybe even millions at big <laughs> gatherings, they'd be shouting to the Lord, you are good, you are mighty to save. And we humbly bow. And like the whole nation is doing it. Like that's not low enough. <laughs> And they're just, they're engaging. It's, it's called humility. It releases grace. Or here comes the part where we humbly reflect while the music plays. Uh, Tyler did this tonight. He said, well, we're going to let the, the, the music, we're going to let the instruments prophesy. They, they do. We're going to let the instruments just prophesy over us, set, set an atmosphere. And it's like the selah. 
in scriptures where, you know, it's like an active pause, reflect, let whatever just was said or sung wash over you. Let the presence of God do something. If we only worship the way we feel, it will be very rare for us to actually worship Yahweh because our flesh won't allow us to. It's like the love languages and like Yahweh speaks them all. And there might be a night where he's saying, the way, the way that I want to receive love from, from my children is through joyous celebration. You know, and he, and he's, in that moment, he's not necessarily considering that there are people who are going through hard times. He, he probably is and, and, and thinking, if we engage in corporate joyful celebration, it's going to break depression off of people. And the people who have had great things, they get an opportunity to worship the great things that have happened. And the people who have had, you know, who are in the valleys get to be reminded that there is a mountaintop. And, but he might literally say, you know, tonight I just, I, I need words of affection words of affirmation, like, I, I would love for you to sing to me the things that you love about me. And it's, and it's more intimate. Or tonight, I, I need um, uh, gifts. Obviously, we, we worship with our money, but, you know, gifts are, can, can actually be some, something active, you know, like something that costs you something. You're like, I don't feel like bowing at the front or putting my face on the carpet right here, but I... I think that that's what God wants, and so I'm just going to go do it. And sure enough, that, that stuff really does release corporate grace, corporate anointing. A buddy of mine, um, he, he's, he talks about um, follow the leader. You might not feel anything in worship, but you see someone who's just getting wrecked. Just, he has all the visible, he or she has all the visible signs of getting schwacked by the Holy Ghost. And you're like... What's going on over there? I feel nothing, but look at that person. And it's like um, in hunting dogs. I don't have hunting dogs, never been around hunting dogs, but I'm he I heard that if you have a group of hunting dogs, often it's just one dog that picks up the scent of the dove. And everybody, all the other dogs are over here. They're not smelling anything, but one dog picked up the scent of the dove. And so the other dogs, even though they don't smell anything, they see this one dog really excited. And so they get excited. And the, the lead dog starts running after the Holy Ghost. And all the other dogs who didn't smell the Holy Ghost <laughs> get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he desires different kinds of affection. There's honor, praise. Um, if I gave Ashley roses... Uh, I would actually be in the doghouse with her because of the act of giving her roses because she hates roses. And I know that through intimacy. Like, I know that because I know her. And so I've lear I learned really early on, I remember I was, I was broke pretty much pursuing her as a, like, an assistant to a youth group. And, <clears throat> and I spent money on roses and I gave it to her and she's like, thank you. And I like, and, and then I was like, that was, I was expecting more, you know, a smooch. Um, <clears throat> but I came to learn she really, really loves hydrangeas. And so <clears throat> I got her hydrangeas and it, you know, then she's like, oh, that's the way I love to be loved. And, 
And, but if, let's say um, I discovered she loves hydrangeas, and so like that worked really well. So the next day or the next time I see her, I bring hydrangeas. And the next day I bring her hydrangeas again. And she's grateful. She's like, oh, I love hydrangeas. But like about day four, if I've given her hydrangeas four days in a row, she's going to be like, thank you for another yeah. hydrangea. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I honestly think it, it, it's because she, she doesn't want me just to fall into a formula in order to, to pursue her. And that's just love in general. And God is love. If we come to him the same way over and over and over and over and over, he is a really gracious father. He loves it. He's like, well, I love that you're trying. He's way more gracious than my wife. Um, <clears throat> that is a true theological statement. <laughs> It is not a diss. (laughs) But the concept is true. That's why he says, sing to the Lord a new song. Because what you sang in 1995 is dusty and dead. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. We've been in worship services where they pull out from 1995 a worship song that has been dead for 10 years. And the Lord's like, thanks, guys. I love your heart, but I, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, sing, to, sing to me something new. Bring me something new. I hope I'm not stepping on too many toes here. This is just, <laughs> he loves the new songs. Um, here's another thing that's awesome or important for us. Come as a participant, not as a spectator. This plays. This is important in so many, so many ways. But let me say this: <clears throat> occasionally, it's okay for you to come to church needing worship to save your life. Occasionally, <laughs> keyword. Occasionally, it's okay to come to a corporate gathering needing worship or a word, needing worship to save your life, like to save your skin, to pull you out of the mess that you were in. You know, let's say you just somehow you got feeling disconnected. You fell into confusion, complacency. You've been sinning up a storm. (laughs) (laughs) The band begins to swell and the voices begin to swell. I know you guys have all been there and you just start, (laughs) you're good. I forgot. You're good. Whatever, I'm sorry. Like, and you, your heart is lined back up. Like, you feel, and it fixes a multitude. Love covers a multitude of sins. Okay? I, in this room, have been in that position. Your pastor has been in a position where I'm like, I just need worship to save my soul. Tonight. You know, like, I need something to grab hold of, to refresh me, to rejuvenate me. So it's okay, occasionally, but it shouldn't be the norm. We shouldn't be counting on a Sunday worship moment to bring us back to life, just like we shouldn't be counting on the preacher to give us a spiritual life. We, we, we should be coming like ready to celebrate most of the time. We should be coming like excited, you know, or or somewhere in between tame and excited, occasionally a broken mess. Like, who needs, needs the body to put us back together? 
And I want to I, I, I want to be really clear here. You can come a broken mess. Please come a broken mess. Uh, if if we're not able to be a broken mess that needs help, then people aren't able to be strong for you. Sometimes your mess walking through the door is the thing that activates strength in someone else. <clears throat> but vastly, uh, we should come ready to celebrate his goodness and bring something. This is, you've heard me say this verse many times, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said. Let everything that is done strengthen all of you. I call this the spiritual potluck. Everybody brings a tasty dish. Whether it's a testimony of like what God has done, or it's uh, a teaching, or you know, it may have even been an encounter, like or a, or a tongue, a, a spiritual song. I I'm not gonna camp out here, but it literally says when you come together, someone speaks in tongues and another interprets what is said. So let's just start praying for that gift, Amen. Because a lot of us speak in tongues. Imagine if tongues turned into prophecy because everybody can interpret. I want to try something. I want to try, as a congregation, singing Psalm 66 together. This is going to be an activation moment. There's not going to be any musical instruments. If you want to open up your Bibles, or can you put... <laughs> You're on the right track, my friend. And can we stand? Because I feel like when we shout, we shouldn't be sitting. <clears throat> Let's see here. I'm going to spontaneously <laughs> just make up a, a melody. It could be horrible or good. And you guys just sing it back to me. And at the end... Let's shout to God, because that's what verse 1 says to do. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Shout to joy to God. 